You're listening to another Mariners podcast by the fans and for the fans with news and views on the Claret and Blues. Dan on man. Have a listen. Another edition of, of the Mariners podcast, a very a very special edition of the podcast, slightly different in what we we normally put out to you. Um, of course, um, this is a football podcast, but because of what's been going on in the world in the last three months or so, and the world's changed forever and everybody seems to be struggling in their own particular ways. Um, so today, um, there's just myself, Chris and, and Ronnie, and we felt as though it was time for us to kind of chew the fat a little bit about more than just football. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, Ronnie has been busy over the last few weeks um, talking at great length and with great clarity about about mental health and in particular mental health and football. And um, you may remember um, Callum McFadden who joined us um, recently, the lad who has been doing a whole host of terrific work on his particular platform with Football CFB. Callum quite candidly opened up to us uh, after our podcast, we talked at length about about mental health. So there'll be some of you out there who listened to the podcast Ronnie did with with Callum a couple of weeks ago, and Ronnie has also been involved with um, another podcast just the other day, and we just felt it was time for the Mariners podcast to to do something different. Because there may be South Shield supporters out there who don't listen to other podcasts and just ours in terms of football. There may be people who listen to mental health po- mental health podcasts who want to get another angle on things. So we just felt as though it was the right time just to have a big crack. Ronnie's got his cans. I've got my red wine, and <laughs> and, uh, um, and so it, it's just a chance for us to do something completely different. So Ronnie, big up to you, mate. Well done. I've listened to some of your work that you've done with Callum. Um, I'm looking forward to listening to the work you've done with Callum and, 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 and someone else who's a big hero of yours. Can you just tell the listeners just what exactly you've been up to over the last two to three weeks or so? After talking to Callum after our podcast, it was it was quite insightful to, to talk to a, a young lad like him who had been through um, issues and kind of like even more relevant due to the fact that it was locked down yeah. and things just become even more concentrated when when you're in a lockdown situation because it just the game changes and there's a lot more stress and anxiety from a lot of different places that 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 hit people so i kind of just offered the the opportunity to talk to callum about, about mental health and and how football really did help me um going forward because it gives you that like um distraction um from all of the problems that you f- that you feel through the, the um through the week um yeah. had the podcast uh it, it had it's been received really well um and i suppose all i want to do because my situation now is um i'm kind of out the other end um, mm-hmm. after a bit of a difficult time and i just got this overwhelming need and i think it's it's part of the the therapy journey really to to just like let people know that you don't have to to go on in suffering 
because you've got there's a lot of help out there and and um mindsets have changed around mental health it's no longer a stigma and you know it's it's easy for me to say but i you know i thought that before i reached out for help um last summer um but it's it, it's all changing and if there's i just i would hate to think that any of the south shields community that i absolutely love and just love seeing there on a saturday and whatever other day is kind of going through what i was going through and feeling mm. helpless and and you yeah. know chris me and you talked about about this stuff you've been through stuff um i've been through stuff and i think it's i think it's a it, it's very important, but, and, and sorry, the football links us together in a way that nothing else really does. Yeah. So it's a, it's an opportunity to, to kind of try and link people together and, and get that word out that, you know, that there is help that you can go on and there is, there, there are people that you can rely on to help you. And that, that's what it is, Chris. It's, you know, it's, you know, me and you just like to have a chat anyway over a couple of drinks, and we'd normally be doing that, wouldn't we, uh, at the football about this time? Probably a little yeah. bit. Couple, That's five o'clock. Couple of cans less. Right? And Saturday will be in with first first pint after the match, aye. Yeah. First so, so there's something in it for me and you, and the, hopefully there'll be something in it for the for the listeners. Yeah, I, you know, when we say the word help, help comes in all sorts of different facets, in different ways. Some people might just need help via just conversation. Yep. Some people might need help via counselling. Some people might need help via listening to podcasts or just by just whatever means. And it, and I think, um, you know, f- for us who grew up in the 70s and 80s, uh, when mental health, you know, if you look at the, if you remember the, uh, if you remember Blackadder Goes Forth when Edmund wanted to say that he was insane and stuck two pencils up his nose and a pair of underpants on his head. <laughs> You know, you just thought. I remember you saying something in in your podcast with Canada about you know loony bin. Yeah. Um. Everybody's thoughts of people having mental health problems meant automatic asylum, uh, loony bin. You know, places like Cherry Knoll, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it just isn't that at all. I, I was brought up in a in an environment, a very loving environment, but an environment where mental health was seen as kind of non-existent. You know. You don't know what uh, you don't know what depression is, man. You know, uh, bringing up weakness, bringing yeah. the bands with no running water and all this. You know, yeah. and, I, and I get that, and that's that was. They were tough times. I'm not having to go at my parents or anything like that. Far from it. No, but but no. Um, it was only when I was struck down very severely uh, 15 years ago that uh, I suddenly realised, and I, and I think me me mum who was you know very much a non-advocate of mental health issues when she saw how ill I was that quickly changed our tune you know and yeah. um we've seen in in recent days you know friends and colleagues openly and clearly struggling um yeah. people very close to home and it made us kind of want to do this even more so um just the other day Ronnie you recorded yet another podcast with something of a hero of yours can you just tell the listeners just a little bit more about what you've been what you've been up to even just the other day the interview i did with callum the feedback was just absolutely brilliant mm-hmm. in terms of a lot of people just saying how helpful it was to them and quite a few people reached out to us and and talked about how they were feeling especially during lockdown 
So I was able to kind of give them advice on that, which like it's just so good for me to be able to to like feel like I'm helping others. Um, so it's just like a two-way thing, right? It's a win-win situation. Hopefully, I can help someone else, but that also helps me through through my recovery. Yeah. And and I and and, and uh, listeners might know um, that there's a guy called Sam Delaney who who is is a bit of a prolific podcaster. But he's also a journalist. He appears on the TV uh, quite a lot of times. And I listen to his post- podcasts all the time. In fact, when I was going through my um, my tough times last year, I, I, I was at a um, position where I couldn't actually, I was scared of sitting there with my thoughts for, for any period of time. Yeah. So even going from one room to another, um, I'd, I'd have to listen to a podcast. And because Sam... Is so good at doing it, and he's got so much content. His was was the mostly the ones I was listening to, and but the the beauty about what what he's doing is he's a recovering alcoholic, um, and he's gone through huge uh, mental health issues. But he he talks so candidly about it, yeah, like warts and all in great detail, and but also puts a bit of a um, like a humor humor spin on it, yeah. And just talking about it as a matter of fact like that, for me, kind of was like, you know, well, okay, someone else is, is going through what I've gone through or going through and, and there's a way to um, to solve it and there's a way to just make things a little bit better in your life. And and if he's doing it, then I can do it. Yep. And I send him a, um, a little speculative tweet to say you might you might want to want to listen to this it might you might find it interesting i didn't expect anything would come come to it but he, he kind of wrote back saying he he loved what he what he'd heard so i then was cheeky again by giving him a, a message and and saying look if you want to come on a podcast then then would would happily welcome you and and lo and behold he accepted that and it was like i was very nervous because you know you you listen to someone for for all that time and you you respect the man and and really kind of just value what he does and to have him kind of on the screen talking to you about his stuff and also he said some of the things I said helped him which is I mean Callum said helped helped him which is like it's worth its weight in gold and and it'll be coming out tomorrow and um, Sunday and I hope everyone could listen to it because I think it might kind of help people or at least it will be entertaining anyway. Yeah. Um, either way. So, yeah. Uh, um, mental health is clearly a very serious subject, but there's nothing wrong in making light of certain aspects of it because you, I, I think you need to, particularly if you've gone through it and you've recovered because otherwise you'll constantly live in a, in a depressed state. So, um, we all have our own stories. Mine goes back to 2004. Uh, I, I, I took ill for the very first time and it hit me like a steam train because I had no, never, never thought it would hit me, never thought anything about it. And when it did, it was like a steam train, like a steamroller. Um, and that very quickly, I'd real, I learned very quickly that it, it affected at that time so many people. At that time, it was about one in four. Mm-hmm people who would suffer some kind of mental health issue within in, in their lives, one in four people. So that that's the recorded. That's version. the recorded. I, I, I mean, yeah. in, and in lockdown in particular, 
So what what I'm what I'm going to say is, you know, lockdown for me has been no different to life in general because my life hasn't changed. My working life has been busier than ever. I've had those outlets that I always have to allow me to to stay mentally healthy. So um, I've been working flat out day in, day out, six, seven days a week. And so my lifestyle has seen very, very little change. But even in my own household, you know, it's very different for for Lisa and the boys. And um, I've seen on, on, on different occasions, each one of them, have moments of difficulty um and it's kind of it, it just wakes me up now and again because i'm i don't want to sound as though i've become very blase about about my own mental health but i've been well now for for well since probably february march of 2007 so i've always I, you know I, I found a way it took me two and a half years but i found a way to to get well and i've been well now with no setbacks at all in, in, in that time. So it, it's easy for me to become very blase, but it, it reminds me very quickly every time I see, you know, either a member of my family or one of my friends or anyone suffer a little relapse or just maybe just a moment relapse. But it's about, it's this it's sentence is very, very important to me. And, it, and it's called, you know, finding a way it's not even a sentence it's a phrase you you have to find a way now that like i said earlier might be by whatever means for me it was chemicals it was medication you know that was very much what got me well and so i'm a big advocate of that i mean my daughter in manchester you know she lives there's you know we're lucky we've got yards or gardens that we can just spend a bit of time we've had some good weather you know my daughter lives in a in, a, in an apartment in the in this right in the center of Manchester yeah. with nothing you know yeah. and she's a 25 year old girl who um, s- struggles at times with her own mental health you know and and, okay. and she be she wouldn't mind me mentioning that on here um, and so she she relies heavily on 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 exercise you know running a lot yeah it's an important thing to do and, and so you know you have to find those ways um and, and and just and Ronnie listening to you recently listening to ha- happily you found a way. Um, I mean, listening to podcasts, for instance. I, I mind, I'm curious as to how you managed to fit in a podcast in between walking between your kitchen and your sitting room. I mean, Banbury Banbury Towers isn't that big, is it? <laughs> it was, <laughs> even if it was even if it was just for a minute, I got that bad. That uh, even for a minute of being with my own thoughts. And not having something to just focus on that's how bad it got so like yeah. that i mean it's, it's it's pretty extreme to to not be able to go from one place to another in your own house and it's not a massive house as you know it's uh it it was extreme and i what I, what happened to me is uh i kind of let it go far too far and it all yeah. build up it, it, mm-hmm. it built up from when i was young uh like i'm talking about probably about 12 years old up to now which is like i'm 43 now so it, it just built up and built up and built up and i didn't do anything about it i just kept trying to crack on because that was that's kind of the narrative of when you were growing up when, when we did it's mm-hmm. like stiff up a lip um take it on the chain man up all that kind of stuff and i went 
so far that my brain just shut down, really. I was having to go to sleep at five o'clock in the afternoon because the day had just been anxiety led and depression led all the way through and my brain just kind of gave up. I was, I remember going out running a couple of times and without actually knowing uh, what was happening um, or how I got there, I ended up like just on the pavement crying my eyes out. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was a, there was a there was a, a training run I'd done just before the Great North Run. I wanted to do twelve miles. I was on my tenth mile, and the next thing I know, I'm s- sitting on the um, the seat at the nuke, crying my eyes out. Of course, but I you thought you were like Billy Meths or something. Yeah, um, it's it's it was it was just odd. I think looking back, I know what happened now. It was just your your brain is like any other muscle in your body. If you if you continue to kind of overuse it and fight against it like if you're running and you've got a bad cough at some point you have to rest it and you have to find a way of resting it and there's a lot of techniques that I've learned now um, as well as the medication to help that that does that because even if I'm on medication and I and I have been for a bit I still get anxious right the the medication doesn't make you like super super person it doesn't oh. make you you've still got to have your a small amount of anxiety to just keep you from doing stupid things like I don't know, like walking in front of a car or <laughs> something like really? that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I've been on citalopram now on and off since twenty, yeah, since two thousand December two thousand and four. Uh, on a course, came off, came off too quickly, had some problems, went back on, weaned off properly, got better then took ill again, and then this time, the last time, so I was back on the medication, and I've been taking 10 milligrams of citalopram now since March 2007, mm. um, and if people out there think that I'm kind of reliant on it, well, I might be, I don't know, but I, I don't wake up on a morning, you know, with thoughts, I must take my tablet, I must take it, you know, some days I forget, and yeah. the reason the, the reason I know I forgot is because the the withdrawal symptoms that I got a few you know when I first came off the medication too quickly, yeah, um, give you sign, a, a sense of um, lightheadedness. It's like when you get up too quickly and you you, you lose your balance. Yeah. That that was what was happening to me every twenty minutes for no reason. Yeah. So um, I, I know when I realised I haven't took a tablet because I start just feeling slightly slightly dizzy, but um, I find that just doing that keeps me on that level, on that very horizontal line. My GP wrote absolutely kind of opened my eyes. The very first time I was ill, um, he, he drew a line on a piece of paper, horizontal line, and he put waves up and down, above and under, above and under, above and under, like a wavy line. And he said, that's where you are at the moment. And he says, ultimately, we want to get you back onto a horizontal line again. And I just feel that those 10 milligrams a day keep me on that horizontal line. I never get too high. I never get too low. I don't get yeah. overexcited about things like I might have done years ago, but I don't get too down about other things. And that's what I'm yeah. saying. Sometimes I need a reminder that it, it, it's affecting other people. Because sometimes yeah. it becomes very easy for me to think, well, it's, it's this is a great world we live in and I'm happy and I'm all right. And sometimes I just need those reminders and we're getting them at the moment with lockdown, particularly for you, Ronnie, you know, 
if you remember one of the podcasts you know, that, that we did early in lockdown and we talked about yeah. how people being self-righteous saying there's you know there are people dying and how dare we talk about football and talk about Shields complaining about the league being null and void. Well, actually, one of the reasons I said that is because um, those people who said that actually are, are, are kind of unaware of just what football means to a lot of people. And, and, and football actually doesn't mean that much to me like it does to you, mm-hmm. purely because I don't get too high and don't get too low. But mm-hmm. for other people... Football in general, not just South Shields Football Club or any other club. Football in general means a lot. And just by talking about football, if that helps people's mental health, mm-hmm. that might stop somebody else dying. Mm-hmm. So it's not just yep. about COVID-19 people dying. Mental mm-hmm. health kills people as well. And if it means talking about the, the, the way our leagues have been treated, and if that helps people with their mental health by talking about it, then good. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, it's, you'll hear a lot of said about mindfulness and I didn't kind of understand what it was, but it, it isn't just a bunch of hippie claptrap because mm. it's all based around just giving your mind a rest yeah. from, from thinking about all sorts of stuff. It's just like I was saying before, if you, if you run like a marathon every day for a week, your body's just going to say, I need a rest. Yeah, I need a rest tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and, and your brain is exactly the same in your mind, if not more. Um, yeah. So for me, what, what football does, and I never, ever got stressed watching football. For some reason, it was just, I was able just to escape. It was yeah. escape from those thoughts, escape from those problems. And it wasn't just the match day. It's, with South in South Shields, it was, it was, it was the couple of drinks beforehand, the meeting people before you know it, you've had like five six hours mm-hmm. without ever thinking about your problems because your mind has been distracted um, on something that you love to do. Yeah. And it's something easy for your mind to process. It's your mind's just sitting there going, "Oh, I'm gonna have a relax now because he's not he's not hammering us all the time and he's not kind of trying to like." Uh, hammerers with all these thoughts about what's going to go wrong and what's going to go right. Um, so this is why this is why football helped me. But on the flip side, if there wasn't any football on on the weekend, mm-hmm. that would send us like that would that would send me uh, completely like I wouldn't know what to do because I'd I'd be worried that I'd have to sit there and watch Soccer Saturday or something like that. Uh, with me on thoughts, and and so, I, like I said before, I was I, I, that was the fear that I was always trying to escape from was sitting there with me on thoughts and not being able to deal with what those thoughts are. Now I've got techniques that I can use to deal with those because I've been through therapy. Mm-hmm. But even without therapy, the thing that that helped me in a massive deal was football. I yeah. could sit there and watch a match for ninety minutes, especially live. And not think about any of my problems. Um, so in lockdown, then you know we haven't had any football, any any sport in general since March. Yeah. Um, have you been utilising the techniques you you learned in therapy to get you through this, or have you been well enough to actually not have to do that? No, uh, I've I've needed to use the technique. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's because um, I'm just kind of my circumstances are I'm, I'm I'm on the medication, but we haven't quite found the dosage yet that that suits us. That's yeah. going to help us. Um, I I mean, don't get us wrong. I'm like light years away from what I was, and the dosage that I'm on is interesting to hear you talk about the the medication you were on, and yeah. I see it as is it is just giving you a platform to start yeah. your day. Yeah. It's, it's just I never had a platform to start my day ever, um, but this gives me a platform to say right, okay, if you if if you have a thought, it's not going to come back in ten minutes time. Mm-hmm. Um, it might come back tomorrow, but you can deal with it because at one point the thought was I was reframing the thought, and then it was coming back ten minutes later. And obviously, you can imagine how how much pressure that puts on you, you physically and mentally. Um, yes. So lockdown for me, it's, it's had its ups and downs, and I was really worried I would be bored, um, which is like not not good for me. Not good for me, you. Me being bored is is not good. So what I've been doing is uh, finding just little little tasks to distract us and um i'm, I'm really lucky enough to be able to work from home yeah um, that's a massive thing for me because it, it it keeps you kind of your your brain focusing on something else than the absolutely horrendous thing being happened with um because you know like we said before on one of the podcasts about lockdown if you continually think about the horrible things that are happening outside and the impact on you and your family and and those people that are really suffering and the NHS frontline workers who are helping them and what they're seeing, if you continually think about that and watch Sky News 24-7, um, that's going to take a massive toll on you. The work, being able to work from home has been huge for me um, and, you know, in, in my heart does go out to those who can't because yes. I know if, if, it, if it had happened to me, especially last summer, oh, I, I couldn't imagine what I would have been like. I would have been an absolute nightmare, um, a what, complete nightmare. What's really making me quite curious is the fact that, you know, um, we would we spend a lot of time together uh, in the summer mm-hmm. through our, um, through cricket. Yep. Um, and... Um, I honestly, honestly, had no idea you were unwell last summer. Yeah, I absolutely. I, I, I've been casting my mind back to to last summer. You know, sitting in cricket grounds in the sun, drinking our pints and things, and and uh, having a laugh. And yep. I and I get, but I guess maybe made that you know doing that took your mind off mental health. You know, so if you were in that company, in our company, drinking beer. Uh, watching a bit of cricket, I guess that was kind of another exit corridor. Yep. yep. There's a couple of things on that, right? The first one is I've been hiding and being able to act my way out of how I'm feeling on a bad day. On a good mm. day, you know, I'm fine. But I was when I had a bad day, it was like it was like dark clouds, except mm-hmm. the black dog and all that kind of stuff, like just like social anxiety, just like, oh, everything was just so hard. But because I'd learned to act and hide that throughout many, many, many years, no one would ever know. I could easily, easily be the most confident, look like I was the most confident, the most happy man in the room, person in the room, sorry. Mm -hmm. But inside I wasn't because I just learned how to do that. And then the, the other aspect to that one, 
um, the other dimension is uh, drink for me was a way of just quickly reversing me mood into a positive mood. So like four or five pints, I, that would be it. I, I mm. would snap out of it. And but that's a dangerous thing to do, right? Um, well, it is, but it, but also, Ronnie, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll interject there because that's just brought something into my mind. Um, in fact, I, I guess my story could go all the way back to 2003, when, um, uh, uh, well, what I well, sorry, 2003, then into January 2004, when I had what I now know to be a panic attack, um, when. I was at work and uh, just after a lunch break, literally couldn't breathe and undid the tie, undid the top buttons of the shirt, still couldn't breathe. Yep. And my GP uh, put me on beta blockers to, to calm me down. Now, when I took the first dosage in the afternoon, um, I could, you know, I felt very quickly felt better. But on the in the evening, that very first night, that was the one and only ever occasion in my life, and I can say that hand on heart, where I've actually craved, literally craved an alcoholic drink. Yep. I really, really that night craved a drink, and that's never happened. That never happened before, and it's never happened since. Believe it or not, you know. You see, you see what you know. I, I did enjoy the drink. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I started becoming dependent on it, like not not the not dependent in a, in a, like a everyday thing, but it was in so, social um, social circumstances. If I was having a bad day, I'd make sure I'd have like a couple of cans before I went out, mm-hmm. or I'd get there early and and sink a couple of quick swifties to just to get myself on the level. Um, yeah. And and that was my um, relationship with drink, and it's. Luckily, it hasn't. It could have gone worse because I, I could have started drinking every day. But luckily, uh, that didn't happen. Uh, I think looking back at that time as well, drink at that particular time when I I, I was already finding coping mechanisms. Even then, this was before I really took ill. On an evening, uh, I was having a. Lisa was very um, not unwell, but she was badly injured had some back injuries and Lisa was kind of bedridden for quite some time and yeah. I was you know I had, I had Adam at the time he was just a two-year-old I think and uh, so I was basically working full-time making sure Adam was taken to wherever I could get him to be babysat my mom Lisa's mom etc etc picking him up for after work making sure everything's all right making sure Lisa's okay coming home making sure she's all right making sure she's fed and uh, and what have you. Uh, and so uh, I didn't kind of sit down until nine o'clock at night. Yeah. And I would sit with, uh, and I would drink four or five stubby bottles of beer. Yeah. Uh, and, and I guess even then you could say I was relying on, on alcohol. It was just a way, I found a way to cope, you know, and that was when I first started really needing time on my own. Now, I don't know whether you ever feel lonely or not. I don't. Um, I actually at times crave time alone. Yeah. Uh, I, I like time to myself. Yeah. Um, generally at home, I must have at least one hour of an evening just to myself. So everybody else goes to bed and I'm on my own. I, that's just my time to unwind and 
Yeah. It's just my and, and I think we're privileged in that sense because we have a house full of people and, you know, we've got a lot of um, interesting characters in our in our family that keeps <laughs> us entertained, right? But yeah, yeah. What, 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 I, what I really don't like to think about, but I think we have to, is those people who who don't have that and mm. during lockdown who are you know they're, they're by themselves and they, they're probably thinking they don't want to um bother anyone else because they're going through covid so they end up just like just stewing in their own thoughts and yeah. n- not being able to kind of reach out and and get that help so what i wanted to say today one of the um and I'm not sure what it was like when you when you first reached out for help uh, to the doctors, but we can we can we can talk about that later. But the thing that that really struck me about when I started to ask for help um, was just how easy um, mm. the health profession has made it. To when you, I mean, it took us two two weeks to um, to make the call, but when I made the call. It was so easy. It was yeah. they they they, yeah. they just fall over themselves to make you feel comfortable, and to make you feel like it's just normal to feel like that. Mm-hmm. And then once you've made that call, they 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 look after you brilliantly. And then they call you back within an hour. You have to do a bit of a questionnaire, but they do it in such a such a sensitive way. It just makes you feel like. Uh, like nothing nothing is a bother with them and it i didn't think it was going to be like that i thought i was going to have to try and convince someone that i was feeling ill yeah but it's yeah. like a breath of fresh air and then once you've kind of got on people might understand that because especially people growing up when we did you know like we're in our 40s now when it, the stigma that that was attached to mental health back then I had the, that same kind of belief. If I came out and said I was, I was ill, I was being weak and whatever. But I just wanted everyone to know that it, as soon as you make that call and ask for help, whether it's a trusted friend, because they, I mean, all of my friends have been absolutely brilliant. No judgment, no judgments. It's just what can I do? How are you doing? Is there anything I can do to help? Um, it, it's it's just been amazing and the the health profession make it so easy for you yeah they do i I, when i look back to um my first my very first in uh appointment with the gp it was i was very fortunate that it was an afternoon i had a a complete and utter breakdown um colleagues at work had noticed something over over the previous 48 hours and kept asking if i was okay and i just kept saying yes i am and I literally just had a total and utter breakdown, inconsolable, um, non-stop crying. And I rang the, uh, I did, I can't remember if I rang the doctor or at least I rang the doctor, but they said, just come down tonight um, towards the end of surgery and one of the doctors will see you after appointments. Yeah. So straight away, there was fantastic help. They were, you know, they'd said, just come down. One of them will see you. And um, when I left the surgery, that I was already in recovery. I, f- I felt better having listened to a doctor who made it so simple, who'd been so um, empathetic 
played it in layman's terms and um and even he said you know you've done the hard bit and i that that was my that was day one you know I, so I, i'd probably say it was one by one one thirty in the afternoon when i suffered that complete breakdown and by 6 30 i was recovering yeah. um took some time yeah but um i, I was recovering and 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 so it, it is easy to get help but there will be people out there who like you say who live alone or who might not not necessarily live alone but don't have the outlets that we do or other people do that and you see it and i don't want this to come and you won't want this to come across as corny ronnie but there are when people put out there on whether it's social media the general media you know phrases like it's good to talk or things like that it actually is and there is help out there in very in many many different guises and if you actually allow yourself to be helped you will find a way you have to allow yourself to be helped that's the hard part and there is no stigma anymore and i and i think if there's any good to come out of covid19 it is the fact that mental health has become an even more apparent subject. Yep. It can't be apparent enough. Yep. And when you see people who, who come out and say that they've suffered, and you think, wow, he has or she has. You think, And, and Ronnie, when you say it, I had no idea. I mean, you, you, you're the bloke who wowed the crowds in Covent Garden, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You... <laughs> after eight if points, think, <laughs> if you think of what happened after the FC United game, you know, and, uh, <laughs> texting text me at midnight, I'm or whatever time it was, and I've just got home, I've just left Mariners. Like, what? It was a great you know, night. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think on that on that thing, Chris, the 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 thing about um, sharing with someone else. This is this is how I see it, right? So you know, how I was talking to you about when. When the inner voice is is saying stuff to you to kind of like to it's there to kind of protect you, right? But it sometimes can go into overdrive, right? And if you if you don't know how to deal with it, you you battle it. So when you're battling something, you, you're going to get tired, right? So it's like it's you one one side of your mind against the other to just to put it quite simply, right? But as soon as you, this is my take on it, right? I'm not a, a psychiatrist or anything like that, but. What I've felt is, as soon as you talk to someone else about that, it stops you from like battling against your brain because you've mm-hmm. you've let that out. Yeah. It's like you, you've let that out, and you don't need to battle against your brain. And then, it nine times out of ten, or ninety nine times out of a hundred, the person that you, you're saying that to will be receptive, and then give you some advice. And you know this this voice you've got in your head is there to protect you, right? It, it it'll be there. It's, it was there when you're born. It'll be there when you die. And it, it its job is to keep you safe, and, and it will say bizarre things to you. But if you can qualify that with someone else and get a different view, um, it it almost certainly always calms that down because you'll be like, you know what, this is. This isn't a massive problem that I was making it to be. Mm. There's a the the um the phrase "it's okay not to be okay." Yeah, 
yep. is actually okay. It's a good phrase. And, and and you've just said there, basically what you're doing is you're taking the nozzle off the pressure cooker. Yep. Just you, you, you're, uh, the pressure cooker builds up, the pressure inside builds up, and all of a sudden you take that nozzle off the top and the pressure comes up purely by putting some of the, some of the pressure from your own head into somebody else's. And yeah. That, uh, and and they are, if they are receptive, they can handle it. Yeah, and it's, it, it's a great thing to do. And I would just say to anyone that's listening, just find someone that you trust. Just chat to them or call them all the various numbers that, that are out there. And, and if, if there's anything that I learned is, you know, I wish I'd done this 20 years ago because it was just so easy to, yeah. to get help so easy and in my mind i made it so hard but it didn't have to be yeah and you you found a way so for you you've got your pathway my pathway was that i need you know medication um counseling that kind of thing didn't work for me um and that's why you say one way or another if, if you do seek help one way or another you will eventually find that way it took me two and a half years, yeah, um, and I got there. Uh, and and if anybody out there is listening, really struggling at the moment, just start looking to find a way because people out there do care about you, yeah, and will want to help you. Um, yeah, particularly those who have gone through something similar, and there are millions out there who have. Yeah, and some people have quite openly admitted that even in recent times. And and, and you're right. And and I didn't realise how widespread it was until I started talking about it. And you know, the amount of people that have kind of contacted me and said, "I've been thinking the same things," or "I've been think thinking um, things that have really been affecting us." And you know, I think it's it's not the exception to the rule. I'm pretty certain that it's not. I think there's, there's, it's more than most that are, that are, that are feeling these things and just need a little bit of advice, whatever that is, it could be as, as straightforward as, you know, how about you, um, just take your mind off things by getting a distraction or do a menial task to give your mind a break, mm. listen to a podcast or, or watch a film could be that, or it could be all the way up to, getting medication and getting therapy and every, everyone's different and there'll be a, um, it's a kind of a advice for everyone that will work. Um, but the first step is to, to, to kind of like, and the hardest step is to admit that you, that you're feeling like that. And for me, anyone who's listened to this, that, that feels like they want to just share with me or, or with you, Chris, Mm -hmm. then, you know, it'll be threatened com total confidentiality. Absolutely. And, you know, we, I, I hope I can, all I can do is share what I, what I went through um, mm -hmm. and what I felt and I hope, and I'm, I'm, I'm ready and willing to be able to, to, to talk to anyone. Good to hear. Likewise, you know, uh, my, I was different to you in many respects. Mine was probably complete, mental and physical kind of exhaustion really and there were moments where you know you mentioned before you were out and you you sat at the nook and cried 
I, I, I remember vividly walking along Ocean Road and walking past some of the uh, the restaurants and things and uh, walking along the pavement and I actually thought that the road to my right was actually the River Tyne. I actually thought there was water, you know, and I, and I, I thought I was going to fall in. And, and, and it's just little oh. things like that that you just think, eh, really? You know, yeah. was that me? Was that my brain? Uh, and to think that the the road was actually a river is um, it's just bizarre. It's balmy. And looking back, you think, how oh, eh. But it did happen. Yeah. And I, I don't want people to sound, think, well, he's just being stupid. I, I, that is, that actually did happen. But um, it's all about... Be, I think op openness and honesty in any way, if you people say just be open and honest about everything in life, you, you're halfway there. Yeah, the the brain is a hugely complex thing. There's millions and millions of some subconscious things going on in there, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not surprising that in something as complex as that, that, that one of the parts might just break down a bit and, and yeah. not work as well as it used to um and it, for me it, it is all about you know just trying to accept that and and doing something about it but i'm not going to force that on anyone it's 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 total choice but all i'll say is there there is help out there you, you don't have to suffer by yourself you're 90 percent there if you if you actually make that move, whether it's a telephone call, whether it's w whatever you do, you're actually 90% there because you've actually admitted and you, you, you've admitted to yourself that you're not well. Um, today, of course, is June the 6th and it's um, it's the anniversary of D-Day. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it, it's been very, I find it a very poignant day. And I look at some of the videos of, of some of the survivors some of the heroes from from that particular day who are still alive now, and one or two of them, when they talk, uh, they talk about how they think of June the sixth, nineteen forty-four, every night when they go to bed. Now, they, in a nutshell, is kind of post-traumatic stress disorder that so many veterans suffer from now, and it's an it's a it's an acknowledged illness but if you go back to 1944 1945 when those lads came back from war stiff up a lip you get on with it there was nothing in place then when yeah. when it was if you were mentally unwell you went to the loony bin and and those lads came back from war and were expected to just be demobbed get the demob suit get out of the uniform put a demob suit on and get back to work yeah and, and it's then, not just back then it's all of the various wars that we've had Absolutely. since, right? But 76 years later, they are still to this day traumatized by what they witnessed. And yep. so that is why, that is why it is imperative that people today, because of the support mechanisms which we have in place, people do look for help because you don't want to be sitting there at 96 years of age and, and have those types of things in your head every night. Yeah. Particularly yeah. particularly the way the world works now. Yeah. The world was a more innocent place back then, particularly after 1945. But today, today's world is not like that. Yeah. It'll swallow I you think, up. I, I agree. And I think 
there is a danger to to kind of be, to to being too serious about this, and mm. if you can find a way of of laughing at some of these thoughts that come into your head, because I mean, some of the thoughts that I've had in my head, it's like it it got me wound and to a point where I had to kind of go to sleep at five o'clock in in the afternoon. The next day, when I thought about it, it was just like. It, it is quite funny some of the things that you get wound up about and if you can kind of laugh at that and say you know, oh I've thought about this the other day or oh, that, that that was like can you imagine that it's it it quite funny and I think if you what I'm what I'm trying to learn how to do is just make humor out of uh, of the, the the different things that go on in your mind because yeah. it, it can be quite um Funny how if you if you if you if you try and move your mindset to like not being offended or not being not quite understanding what it is, if you can just kind of say you know it's just like that's just that's just the mind. It's the it's the part of the mind that is always on the lookout and always on the alert to sit to save you because mm-hmm. that's what you're designed to do. All the way from when we were getting chased by whatever it was back in the um, the Stone Age or the or whatever age it was, that that's that's how we've evolved, and we've always had that um, that that will to to persevere and to stay alive and to to do what whatever we need to do, and that, that's all it is. If you if you can see it like that, then you're halfway there, and and some of it is just funny because it's just like you know, we've all had these friends that we know at work and and. Um, uh, and outside of work and they'll, they'll come across as being a little, little bit miserable and and a little bit risk averse but their heart's in the right place right and mm-hmm. and you'd understand that and, and 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 that's kind of what it is in, in, in these voices and in, in a voice in your head it's just trying to it's just trying to warn you of danger but if you can yeah. accept that and say well that's just what it's doing then that's half the battle so, um, Premier League football's coming back in two weeks' time. Yeah. Are you excited? Not really. I'm like, what What really pisses me off about, <laughs> about what's been happening lately is like, it's the game that I love is being decided on things that aren't about the love of the game. It, it's 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 about money and you know mm-hmm. like in South Shields is is situation it all of the decisions that have been made by the league um it just has no consistency or fairness it'll be about it's about money in the Premier League the reason they're playing will be about money it is about money um and you know to have these decisions made by a league without even consulting the, the team, it's the wrong way around. Yeah. And for me, the league should serve the clubs, not not the other way around. That If it wasn't for the clubs, the league wouldn't exist. So, yeah. you know, it's like, it, it really frustrates us and pisses us off that during lockdown, it becomes more and more present that this whole world, and including our beautiful game that we absolutely love, is run by money and it's yeah. sickening 
And you know, I'm I'm gonna be a hip- I am a hypocrite because I'm sitting here waiting for my other team to be bought out by like the, the richest the richest uh, owners in the world. Um, you know, so I am a bit of a hypocrite in that sense. But yeah, and it's it's a bit of a conundrum really for me. But when you think about this, what the decisions that have been made in our in our league, it's it's just unjust and unfair and based on money and to have all these leagues that have got different rules so mm. the, the women's FA have just yeah, announced women their points to... per game yeah. like every league's got a different way to do it but it's the same game it's 11 against 11 and mm. it was invented and we all love playing it when we were young we didn't when we first started playing it we didn't think oh class this is great because I might make money it was oh this is great because I love playing the game Absolutely. I mean, if you look at what's been going on in Germany, you know, the Bundesliga, it's yeah. been on BT Sport, and you know, it's it's been shit. I mean, I, the fortune I, as well from. Have you betting on it? <laughs> I don't bet on it because it's shit. I mean, I I put it on BT Sport and I, I watch probably about 10, 15 seconds of it, and then just switch it off because it's crap. Because. If you're going to play behind closed doors, why play in a vast 70,000 stadium? Why can't you play it at a, an equivalent either Bundesliga 3 or non-league ground where you can still socially distance, you can still do what everything's in place medically and everything else, but at least you're not playing in this vast bowl where there's just nothing. Yeah, I, I have. I've watched probably since the Bundesliga started. I've probably watched in total about one minute of actual football action because it's just shit. Um, and I, <laughs> I wonder about what is going to happen with this when the Premier League restarts because it's basically so that Liverpool can win the league, they can get the mm. TV money through, and they um, don't get sued. Don't get sued, and and I'm quite sure it'll be just as shit. Yeah, um, I mean, I was watching a match one time, and I and I'm sure I heard one of the internal stadium doors close. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's 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 awful, and so if anybody who you know who suffered with mental health through this lockdown and seeing football, the restart of the Premier League is a way out. I think I would think again because it is shit. I I don't it it's. If you watch non, you know, you might go and watch a, a Sunday league game on the quarry field or at the wreck, and there's like one man and his dog watching, but there's still something about it. It's rustic. But I think there's two ways. In a, yeah. But it, playing in those in, in a cleansed atmosphere, if you think what's going to be like at Old Trafford or you know, seventy-eight thousand capacity stadium with nothing and nobody in there. Uh, wow! Wow! I think there's two two ways of looking at that, right? The and I and I see where where you're coming from, but if it gives someone mm-hmm. an hour of distraction, yeah, then it's worth it. It's it's worth yeah, absolutely it, absolutely right. But will they get the distraction because the product is? Oh, I, I don't know. I just you see, you know, you 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 find going to Mariners Park. I find Mariners going to Mariners Park. It's a day out. It's an ability to get away from the day-to-day stresses and strains. Yeah. Um, because there is a there is a product 
And, well, there are products because it's the social side as well as the football side. With this, um, there's actually, it's a cleansed atmosphere. Um, and, and, I, and I'm not sure whether the product will be actually enough to give people that kind of outlet that they're looking for to, ch to change their mindset. I yeah. worry about that. Yeah. And it, it all goes back to what you just said. It is about money. Yep. And that's yeah. what's like really pissed me off when I'm looking at Twitter and all these things that are coming up about what the leagues are deciding without ever thinking about what the teams want. And, mm. you know, it's that's just something that pisses off. And, and you know, we're talking about going through recovery. I've, I've had times during this lockdown where my inner voice is just try to will football to come back it's just it, it still thinks that if it thinks hard enough about it that it'll all change and, and go to the mariners on uh, on saturday yeah yeah that's the thing though i mean um the club you know the the twitter the club twitter and facebook saying all you know, like one day well everybody will be back we can't wait to have you and i'm actually when i see the when i see that i think yeah i can't wait to go back because mm -hmm. it's not just the football it's the whole product it's the the social side the ability to to meet and greet and just share yeah. that is the that's the overall package of being able to get that distraction that yeah. withdrawal from the stresses and strains of everyday life um that i think most people will be looking forward to going back to mariners because it's mariners it's not necessarily just the 11 against 11 on the pitch it's the whole mariners experience and i think you know um it will come it will come when when it will we don't know but it, it all goes back to what we've been talking about all afternoon about mental health until that time when we get back to normality we have to find a way to get by you know we have i have for a number of years and it, and, and we go back to what this is all about it's about it's about getting through it all one way or the other and if you need to find a way you have to yeah and that's why we're saying today you know we are there might sound corny but we are there for you and there are people with it everybody who's listening today will have their own circle of friends colleagues and and, and a, a portion of those will be there for for, for you all utilize them you know yeah there's a lot of bad I, things going on in the world, but there's some good. There are good people still around. Yeah, I'm a hundred percent sure. If anyone reaches South Shields FC community and they've got a problem, then you'll have lots and lots of people wanting to help. Yeah, honestly, guaranteed. It's I'm a hundred percent certain of that. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. Um, I mean, this 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 afternoon for for me talking to you, you know, I find it therapeutic. I enjoy it. I don't mind telling my story. Um, I've actually written it, well, yeah. most of it in a diary form. I called a diary of a depressive, you know, and 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 um, it's been kind of under lock and key for years. It's waiting to be finished, but uh, I I don't mind because there's nothing to be frightened of, nothing to be embarrassed about. No. Um, because it, it does affect many, many more people. You know, there's people out there, I mean, like the Mark Carruthers, for instance, who's a big advocate for the yep. um, If You Care Share Foundation. Yep. Um, all these things are out there 
you know, utilize them. They're there for a reason because people, other people have suffered. You're not alone. You're not suffering alone. You might think you are, but you're not. Reach out because somebody somewhere will be able to help you. Is what yep. we're what we're saying. Yep. Um, so, I mean, with what we've been going about an hour now, haven't we? Have we? Aye. Yep. Oh, yep. And that <laughs> one glass of red wine's lasted an hour. Anything <laughs> to top up? Dear me. We don't need any excuse to talk. <laughs> no, but it's good. Uh, it's it's absolutely right to talk. We 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 did ask Simon if he wanted to join us for this, but he felt as though that it would be good just for the two of us because he in in general hasn't really suffered. Um, he might want to join an, another one, but if anybody else actually wants to join us mm-hmm. on a podcast to talk about their story or to talk about what they're going through, if they think it'll help, if they think it'll help by talking to us via you know and and have it recorded as a podcast tell us because you never know it might just help you and it might be just part of your recovery um like i said earlier if you admit and admit and know that you need some help you're 90 percent there the other 10 percent might take a while to find but you are 90 percent there but you're Um, on that wave that just carries you there yeah of course yeah absolutely so, I, I, Ronnie, I think it's time for me to top me, me glass up, mate. All right. <laughs> yes, I think we can call an end of proceedings. I thoroughly enjoyed it. We might have been repetitive at times, but so everybody out there, we hope you've enjoyed listening to this Mariners podcast special, totally different to what we normally put out, um, but we felt it was right to do it. Uh, I've certainly enjoyed myself. Ronnie, I know... You will have done as well. You enjoy talking about this. Yeah. And um, if any of you out there, even if you've picked up just one smidgen of help, encouragement, advice, then this has been worthwhile for us and we will absolutely love that. So from Ronnie and myself, Chris, um, hope you've enjoyed it. Um, Reach out if you have to. Contact us via the various social media streams. Don't be frightened. And... And again, we'll see it again one day. We will be back at Mariners whenever that is. But for the time being, we'll keep doing what we do. We'll get our way through it. And so from Ronnie and myself, it's a very, very big thank you for listening. And we'll see you soon. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this Mariners podcast. There'll be another one along soon before you can see it. John Shaw. <laughs> <laughs>